Welcome to The Reload for Unconventional Leaders, the show dedicated to helping unconventional leaders kick ass in their careers while staying connected to the things that make their lives worth living. I'm your host, Sean Hansen. As a certified performance coach and special operations combat veteran, I work with corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and military special operations personnel to help them master their performance mindset by overcoming the hidden patterns and blind spots that subconsciously dominate their lives. With this episode published on September 22nd, 2020, we are a little less than two weeks away from my TEDx talk on human connection. The talk is scheduled to live stream on October 3rd out of Breckenridge, Colorado, and I will be discussing why raw, intense human connection is vital for humanity. I'll also be weaving in how that concept plays out in unconventional ways as it relates to the sense of connection I felt with the enemy during my combat deployments to Iraq in 2006 and 2008. And as always, I'll push a link to the event's homepage in the show notes so you'll be able to access it there. But for today, I'd like to get into the topic of fit versus value. So for a lot of my clients, what I tend to experience with them is a real sense that their entire world is governed off of this concept of value. And especially for my corporate clients, you know, they're always focused on delivering value or is this person or this team or this initiative going to deliver value that will improve the performance of the company? What is the bottom line? What is the customer experience? What is, um, what are, what are the efficiencies that we can achieve inside the organization? What's interesting though, is that this same mindset, the same attitude that is so focused on value tends to play out in their relationships as well. Now, those relationships can be romantic relationships, they can be family relationships, they can be friendships, and quite frequently, they're business relationships, either with peers or subordinates or their bosses, customers, I mean, you name it. This discussion around fit versus value is something that can be applied regardless of what the context is. And as I've noticed, this plays out both for men and women. And it's, it's at least from what I've seen thus far, it is in no way specific to one gender or one type of person. And what I've noticed really, I mean, this is especially true with my leadership clients, is that in some ways, they're perhaps more prone to viewing life through this lens of value, I believe in part because of how driven they are and how opinionated they are. There's often this sense that that, that they, they have this extreme connection to the way that things ought to be. 
And that really is, is the root of their issue. The relationship is not what they want or, or how they want it to be. And so the message that is often extracted from this asymmetry is that either they are not valuable or that the other person is not valuable. And what's interesting for me to note in the sessions is how quickly humans tend to jump to these valuation challenges. And I often wonder, what what is it in our nature that has us so quickly reaching for verdicts on a person's value, whether that's our own or whether that's somebody else's or an entire team for that matter? And in past episodes, I've discussed how our worth is often transactionalized from an early age and then reinforced as we go through the school system and then into the working world. And for anyone who has greater curiosity around that discussion, feel free to dip into episode 8 and 10 for some additional discussion of of value. I don't want to beat that horse to death today. But as a, as a brief overview of that concept, this notion that we are, we are not intrinsically valuable, that's the message that we end up receiving from our society, that in order for us to have value, in order for us to be valued, that we need to have produced something, we need to have provided something. Now, obviously, in the working world, that you may be saying, well, that's self-evident. I provide labor, expertise, judgment, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And they provide me, the employer provides me with financial compensation. And I get that, and I'm not disputing that. But we often end up taking this ethos or this mindset into personal relationships as well. Into these settings where there is not a monetary exchange and where we are hoping to be able to express more of our genuine inner self, more of this kind of vulnerable, squishy center. And that doesn't really happen if you're constantly on guard for value. And ensuring that you are presenting yourself in a way that is highly valuable. Why else? Why? Excuse me. Why else might we be in this mindset of value? Why? Why might we we jump to that so quickly? Well, in part, if you look at some of the books that are out there on anthropology and and sociology, part of it is also around evolution. This evolutionary imperative to pass on one's genes. To be the person who is valuable or perceived as valuable enough so that you are chosen by others. This biological imperative So again, there are multiple factors that go into 
any single one of these issues. But at the end of the day, when you look at it from a clear-eyed perspective, take a, a real honest look at how this is working for you. From what I've seen in my life and those of my clients, this, this propensity to look at relationships through the lens of value tends to put things in a pretty confrontational light. And we often end up adding tremendous internal and external pressure to appear valuable. It contorts, it contorts one into this sort of strange mental space where not only do we have criticism, both internal and external, but we're also coming from this place of scarcity. And then it, it also perpetuates behaviors that are that are quite odd sometimes. So let's unpack this a little bit more. What is this, this sense of criticism that I'm alluding to? Well, we all recognize that every single one of us has different tastes. We have different tastes in our relationships, our dating relationships. We have different tastes in the kind of profession that we want to do, the way that we wish to contribute in the world. And we all recognize that everything is highly subjective. But the way that it tends to play out is when we look at our situation, our relationships through this lens of value, this strange mental contortion happens where even though we can cognitively, consciously recognize that we have subjective taste and that the person next to us, notionally, would have different tastes. And in fact, in many situations, your friends are probably telling you that they have different tastes or that they have a different perspective on the scenario. But because we are individual creatures, we're not some, we're not part of some collective hive mind because we exist in our own minds. It tends to feel as though it is actually objective even though part of our minds recognize that it's not. And so we come at this person or we come at ourselves with this expectation of value and that that expectation around value, that we somehow are able to speak truth to that. Which again, part of your mind recognizes is a complete fabrication. But when we operate in these kind of highly emotionally charged environments, whether that's in the professional setting or whether that's in your personal life, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I've seen people get really charged up in both settings. So when that amygdala hijacking occurs and you are in that highly triggered state, emotional state, your lens looking at another person's value or even looking at your own value does tend to feel as if it is capital T truth. With scarcity, you're putting yourself in this position of either being valuable or not. And again, it's, it's something that creates pressure. It limits what's possible. We start to fear 
that we won't have enough, in this case, value. And then it begins to bleed into all these other messages around ourselves. What does it say about us to not be valuable? In what ways does that show up? In what ways have you compromised the perception of value that you hope other people would have? This is also an area where with with this scarcity mindset, you become very grasping and, and it's, it's, it's as though you're clutching onto this other person in an attempt to, to continue to prove to yourself that, that there is some sort of valuable exchange occurring. And I've seen that play out in both directions, both the, the client being in a place where they perceive that they had less value than their partner. And so then there's this clinging that ends up happening or conversely that my client perceives him or herself to be more valuable than his or her partner. And in which case that leads to a lot of pressure being applied in the other direction to keep up or to get on their level. And so in both cases, this, this distortion starts occurring where we're perpetuating behaviors in order to appease or to achieve a certain perception of value in the other person's eyes that's not actually aligned with one's true inner self. And before I lose all the hardcore people in the audience, it, what I mean here is that regardless of whether you want to paint it up in sort of like airy-fairy, fluffy language or not, we all have a sense of what our core values are. What are the things that are most important to us? And how is it that we are staying aligned with those things? And when we're not aligned with those things, we begin to feel as though we're living a lie. And in some cases with clients of mine, they've actually outright lied to themselves. They've tried to convince themselves so much that a certain person was right for them or, or was making things so much better for them. And yet all they were doing was just pouring all kinds of uh, discontent into their life. Because they could feel how they're, they're, they, they just weren't lined up with their partner. And the way that they had to behave in order to feel like they were appreciated was tremendously taxing for them and felt as though there was this constant weight on their shoulders. One other piece behind this is that focusing on value also tends to be about us. Are we being validated by the other person or not? And this, this aspect of needing something external to ourselves to provide ourselves with this sense of value, with this sense of acknowledgement, 
speaks to the fact that you are not connected to your inner worth. That we see this place where I need, quote unquote, I need somebody to make me feel a certain way. For some people, it's smart. For other people, it's sexy. For other people, it's accomplished, wealthy, whatever the sort of inner drug of choice is. But what does, what does our perception of their value say about us? To the extent that we feel elevated by having landed somebody that was outside of our league, right? This notion of like, oh, look what I caught. That again, it creates this, this sense of misalignment where we often don't feel as though we deserve it. And so to some degree, I mean, to go into a little bit of a rabbit hole here, to some degree, that's just, you know, can we explore this concept of inner value, inner worth, and get, get that person kind of internally buffed up so that they do feel like they deserve a really good partner. But back, back on track here, to, to look at when you think about the partner validating you as though you're somehow better because you have this person on your arm, it's not much different from rolling up in a vehicle that is some sort of luxury vehicle because it, again, says something about you or that your material possessions are somehow communicative of what your sense of worth is and where you should be placed in the hierarchy of society. And that is a hamster wheel that most of America tends to run at full speed. And if you want to stay on that hamster wheel, more power to you, but from what I've seen, it tends to be a pretty exhausting experience. And being in that space, being in that space of pressure and kind of having this like grasping, clutching scarcity mindset and being in that contorted headspace where you're exhibiting behaviors that you know are not lined up with who you want to be on the inside that pressure tends to blow out at some point. And in those blowouts that we have with whoever it is that is in the relationship with us, again, whether it's personal or professional, tends to leave us feeling shitty about ourselves and the other person. So what if you took a different look at your relationships? What if you viewed your relationships through a lens of fit instead of value? In what ways are your relationships aligning with your core values? And again, I've talked about core values in previous episodes, so I'm not going to I'm not going to do a deep dive here today, but to add a little bit of context to this. Where is it that you feel lit up? And again, 
since a lot of the people I work with are, you know, sort of on the hard edge, right angles end of the spectrum, being lit up doesn't have to mean some sort of airy fairy concept. It can just mean, you know, where is it that you feel really engaged? Where do you feel alive? Where do you feel that you are a part of something that you really want to contribute to? What's the fight that you want to be in, so to speak? What are the things that, if they're violated, create real problems for you? In terms of how you perceive the world and yourself in it. What are the fundamental ways in which you believe two people should interact? How should they express their appreciation for one another at a very core level? You know, what, what are these, these deal breakers? And getting clear on that will really help you understand the foundation for fit. What kind of person or what kind of job or company or team do you fit with? And along those lines, you know, how, does, how do those factors play in with short-term and long-term goals for you and the other people or other person, whatever the context is? Looking at your goals, looking at what it is that you're trying to accomplish in the near term, and I mean, for everybody, these I mean, these are arbitrary terms. Right? So for some people, short term is going to be, I don't know, the next six months. Some people, it might be less. Some people, short term might be a year. If you're particularly far thinking, short term may be three years. But it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, just come up with something that fits for you in terms of short-term and long-term goals with the short-term being more of the things that you're trying to act on currently and that from most of the literature that I've come across is a result, the short-term goals are a result of what are your long-term goals? What are those bucket list items that really drive you, that really excite you? And sure, yeah, you're going to have personal bucket list goals, professional bucket list goals. And how is it that those long-term goals will fuel your passion and your creativity and your appreciation for this life that is all too short? And then from there, breaking them down, breaking those long-term goals down into, you know, what are the short-term or near-term steps that you need to take to make that happen. And with that in mind, then looking at the other person, again, whether it's a personal relationship or a professional relationship, and asking yourself, where do I see commonality? Where do I see overlap? If I recognize that I want my life to go a certain direction and I want to have certain experiences, and that some of those experiences may very well require a good deal of commitment and sacrifice and be very important to me. 
how is it that this person next to me or across from me is going to either support or hinder those goals? How are your relationships inspiring and challenging you to be a better person, a better version of you? Are you expecting your relationships to only please you? And what would that say? Even though I work with leadership figures, we still end up discussing and coaching through a lot of relationship issues. And in this case, I do mean specifically personal relationships. And the reason that that is so critical to this point of the discussion is because quite frequently, it does seem as though people want their partners, their romantic partners, to be a source of support. And at this point, you're probably just like rolling your eyes saying, yeah, no shit. Like, of course, I want my partner to be a source of support. But specifically, what I'm talking about is support from the perspective that there is no contention. There is no challenge. There is no friction. And in this case, I'm not talking about sexual friction. I'm talking about just relationship friction. Where is it that that you are being called out. <laughs> you know, how often, how often do we want to avoid being called out by our partners? How often do we want so much to live in a space where we're getting nothing but affirmation and validation from our partners? But if, if that's what you're experiencing, if that's what you've chosen for yourself, then it's quite possible that you're not growing. Because you can be challenged at work and you can be challenged in other aspects of your life, you know, in in the gym or with your friends. And that it's those challenges that often create the vehicle or the, not maybe not the vehicle, but the, the inspiration for growth, right? When it it feels shitty and it causes you to take a look at, well, why? Why does this feel shitty? Why do I feel somehow less than? What do I need to do to improve? That's, that's That's the spark. And so frequently we have partners or we've, we've chosen romantic relationships where we are trying to stifle that spark. We're trying to smother that spark. And that, quite honestly, is going to really, really hold back your development. Because it's the person with whom you are most intimate that you can make the most progress because they see you in all kinds of different situations. They see how you respond. They see the little telltales that come out when you're trying to cope or you're trying to keep your mask on to show people that it's going to be okay, but that this intimate partner of yours of yours knows that you're being affected. So how is it that you can find 
a partner, or if you're already in a relationship, how can you continue to encourage your partner to challenge you? And not challenge you just to, you know, just to be an asshole, but to challenge you to be better and where you do the same for them. Looking through the lens of fit allows you to take the pressure off because you're no longer engaged in that potent sense of judgment that I mentioned earlier. Without that pressure, we can take our foot off the gas and see that a certain someone or job may have been a good fit at the time, but that it's no longer serving you in the condition that it's in. Oftentimes in my sessions, when we start to get to this part of the the conversation, clients will wonder, well, am I advocating for them to end their relationship? And that's not what I'm doing. What I'm trying to provoke is an inner questioning that often leads to an external questioning, that they can facilitate a conversation with their partner with their parent, with their boss, subordinate, team member, child, whatever. That both people can have a clear-eyed understanding of how the relationship is currently treating them. Do both parties feel that their core values are being met? Do they feel like their short-term and long-term goals are still aligned. So fit, looking at it through the lens of fit versus value, allows you and the other person to ask questions of yourselves and to really honestly and openly evaluate how things are going without needing to be stuck inside of this this shell of of perceived value dropping the value framing creates flexibility and options that don't exist when the relationship or situation is locked in a discussion around value so once that's gone then you can actually come at it from the perspective and i mean this is it sounds i'm making it sound simple it is not And I may also be making it sound easy, which it's not that either. Because again, if we find ourselves in emotionally triggering situations, and especially if we're talking about somebody's livelihood, parent-child relationships, romantic relationships, those contexts, contexts, sorry, are very charged. Because we, we tend to want so much. We want things to be a certain way. And it's, I, I don't want to dive into that rabbit hole because I've done it in a previous episode. But this idea that, that we, can't, we can't accept the way the world is. We always want to try to bend it and smash it into our own uh, mold. You know, we got we to push it into this, this form that, that is of our making so that we are in control. But if you, if you are able 
and this is, you know, this is what I spend weeks and months helping my clients with is helping them get to a place where they do not feel this intense desire for this emotional need for control. And they go deep inside themselves to begin to really assess, like I said, fit, core values, long-term goals, short-term goals. And to understand from a clear-eyed perspective, a very balanced, calm perspective, does the situation I'm in or the relationship I'm in, does it fit what I'm looking for? If it doesn't, how do we get there? Do we still perceive legitimate possibility for fit? Is there a communication problem? Is it that the client hasn't been clear about their own core values? Maybe because there has been a lack of exploration in that area. So again, a lot of times when we look at fit, the the analysis or the exploration has to start with oneself first. And two, if it's you know two people in a relationship, sure, both people can start looking internally at the same time. It's not like one person has to have it mastered and then sits around and waits for the other person to catch up. But again, if you do not understand what is inside you, there is no way that you can approach another being and have any sort of real intelligent, effective conversation with them because your house is not in order, as they say. You're coming to them with a shoulder shrug or, or a, you know, this expression of befuddlement because you haven't done the work to understand what's going on inside you. So that's where it starts. But once you do have that clear understanding of what's going on inside, and hopefully the other person is in the same position, yeah, then you can have a really fruitful, really honest conversation. And it's not, it's not going to be easy necessarily. It's, it's very often something that is still quite emotionally charged. But if you know that you're coming from that foundational perspective, that position of bedrock, so to speak, then it's, you're not, you're no longer trying to put all this pretense. You're no longer trying to put a facade or a mask over the, over yourself. You're not trying to play tricks or play games or contort yourself to jump through hoops because you thought that that's what was required in order for you to be valuable because you're not worried about value. You're worried about fit. Are there situations where there's no value and no fit? Yeah, sure. There have been plenty of instances where clients have chosen partners that, or situations, jobs, for instance, that were not valuable. And where there was also a misalignment of fit. And most of the time that is because the person that I was working with was coming from an initial set point, mindset point of not valuing themselves. 
And the reasons are legion, most often coming from some sort of early messaging from their parents around how worthwhile they were. So yeah, you can definitely be in a situation where there's no value and there's no fit. In which case, what are you doing? Why don't you move on? Break, break the, the trend, break the, you know, get out of that rut. But again, it starts inside because if you don't recognize your own value, then you're not going to do anything. And it's equally possible to have high value and no fit, which also happens. You can have partners or jobs or teams or again, whatever with people who very much are driven, accomplished, intelligent, attractive, supportive, you know, throw in whatever other attributes you you would like, and it can still be a bad fit. Whether the timing is off in your life, whether the long-term goals issue flares up and The two of you just want different things. And in those situations, again, the pitfall can be that you perceive yourself as not bringing value to that relationship. But again, it's it's really just about fit. How is it that the two of you, whether that other party is, again, a team or not, or a job or not, how do the, the two parties fit together? What is, how are they going to end up moving forward? So if you can get yourself to that place of fit, and from what I have seen in my clients, step number one, as we mentioned, is that internal value, that internal exploration. Step two, getting really clear writing them out on those writing out those core values step 3 getting to a place where you understand what your goals are and step 4 tends to be the tricky part is how is it that you can communicate this stuff in a non charged but caring way and again that part is about spending time with yourself getting clear about the fact that you can recognize somebody's value and that it is not the it is not the the condition or the quality that is making the decision you know as they say it's nothing personal <laughs> which sounds completely uh inadequate especially in sort of dating relationships. But, but that is the ultimate truth, is that it's not about you or, or the other person being more or less valuable, but that you're both wanting something similar and you're seeing the path to get there in a similar way. As always, I'm hoping that these conversations offer some sort of provocation to you, not 
necessarily in a way that pisses you off, but hopefully in a way that expands your thinking, expands your awareness, and allows you to create really open dialogue with the people you care about so that you can make your life better and their lives better. If you like what you're hearing, obviously feel free to subscribe and share it. Share this with your friends, share this with your family, your enemies, if you will, as well. Figure out ways to communicate in a way that is genuine and that that allows you to cut through the bullshit. Because our lives are filled with so much pretense and bullshit. And from my combat deployments to Iraq, I saw how short life can be. And there's so much to do and experience and feel in this world in that short period of time that we are given. And it is too short to waste. So I really hope that these conversations do provide you that opportunity to dive inside yourself and then facilitate that conversation with others so that you can get to a place where you feel like you're living an amazing life. All right. Till next time, take care of each other and be good.